You're listening to the Living Presence Podcast, exploring faith, meeting the world, from East Gwillimbury, Ontario. Hello and welcome to the Living Presence Podcast for Sunday, March 10th. My name is Brianne Swan, and I am your host, as well as the community minister with the Living Presence Ministry, a community ministry of the United Church of Canada situated upon the traditional territory of the Chippewa of Georgina Island First Nation. Today is our first week in the season of Lent. Over the next six weeks, we will be journeying together towards Jesus' torture and execution at the hands of the state. It sounds pretty depressing, and there are always moments within this liturgical season where I find myself feeling raw and aching, but it is a time of reflection. So throughout this season, I'll be talking about discerning what in our lives we should work on cultivating and what we should work towards letting go. Ash Wednesday marks the first day in the season of Lent, which is traditionally observed with the imposition or offering of ashes, often in the sign of a cross on one's forehead. This week I led a contemplative Ash Wednesday service at York Pines United Church in Kettleby. Because of the weather, I unexpectedly needed to bring my sons Isaiah and Simon with me. Isaiah is seven, and Simon is four. The plan was to put a movie on, give them snacks, and hope that they could keep it together for an hour. This congregation has been so wonderful to my kids, but their energy, my kids' energy, is a little bit much for a quiet evening of prayer, poetry, and communal chanting. Because we were going to get home way, way, way past their bedtime, I suggested that they wear their pajamas to the church so then they could just go straight to bed when we got home. As he turned to go upstairs, Simon asked, What's Ash Wednesday, anyway? Trying to come up with a four-year-old kind of answer, I told him it is a day when people wear ashes to remember that we come from the earth, and someday we will die, and our body will go back to being part of the earth. Now, there is also a piece about sin and repentance, but thought we could wait till he's a little bit older to explore that. Simon just shrugged his shoulders and said, Okay. And then he went to go and pick out his pajamas. He came downstairs dressed like a skeleton. A very deliberate fashion choice because, you know, death. He was so proud of himself, and so I brought my tiny little angel of death to the worship service. It was one of his most endearing moments. On this week's episode, we will be hearing about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. 
and some Canadian political leaders being tempted to skirt integrity in order to maintain power. And how earthly authority and God's authority are not the same thing. We'll be hearing poetry by Rumi, as well as music by Swedish folk duo Good Harvest. But first, this is a song by a friend of mine, a friend who passed away five years ago. I met Sam when I was 19, playing coffee houses and gigs around the Toronto root scene. He was the first person to purchase one of my CDs three years before I released anything before I even knew I was going to record an album. This song came on the radio as I was driving back from our Ash Wednesday service last week. From the dust he came, and to dust he returned, and I miss him. So this is Sam Larkin's song, Murmurings, from his 1994 album, Ransom. You can find where to buy Sam's music by going to our show notes. Now if I see
Allison Brooks Starks and I'm in Edmonton, Alberta in Treaty 6 walking to go put the mail in the mailbox near Mill Creek. This is from Luke chapter 4 verses 1 to 13. Jesus returned from the Jordan filled with the Holy Spirit and she led him into the desert for 40 days where he was tempted by the devil. Jesus ate nothing during that time, and at the end, he was famished. The devil said to Jesus, If you are God's own, command this stone to turn into bread. Jesus answered, Scripture has it, we don't live on bread alone. Then the devil took Jesus up higher and showed him all the nations of the world in a single instant. The devil said, I'll give you all the power and the glory of these nations. The power has been given to me, and I can give it to whomever I wish. Prostrate yourself in homage before me, and it will all be yours. In reply, Jesus said, Scripture has it, You will worship the Most High God, God alone will you adore. <clears throat> then the devil led Jesus to Jerusalem, set him upon the parapet of the temple and said, If you are God's own, throw yourself down from here. For scripture has it, God will tell the angels to take care of you. With their hands, they'll support you, that you may never stumble on a stone. Jesus said to the devil in reply, It also says, Do not put God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, Jesus was left alone. The devil waited another opportunity. That was Alison Brooks Starks reading the Gospel of Luke from Edmonton, Alberta. So it seems everybody and their dog in Canada is talking about the SNC-Lavalin affair. And if you are listening from somewhere that isn't Canada, you are probably wondering what the heck I'm talking about. So for the benefit of those who aren't sure what the SNC-Lavalin issue is, here is the Reader's Digest condensed version of the story. SNC-Lavalin is a large Quebec-based engineering company and they are facing charges of fraud and corruption for allegedly paying nearly $48 million to public officials in Libya between 2001 and 2011 to influence government decisions under the Muammar Gaddafi regime. The RCMP also charged the Montreal-based company, its construction division, and a subsidiary with fraud and corruption for allegedly defrauding Libyan organizations of about $130 million. SNC-Lavalin asked the government for what is called a deferred prosecution agreement in order to avoid criminal proceedings. This would have required them to admit wrongdoing, give up any financial benefit received, pay a penalty, and cooperate with authorities. 
However, the Public Prosecution Service of Canada decided that SNC-Lavalin did not meet the requirements for a deferred prosecution agreement, which meant that criminal prosecution could proceed. Jody Wilson-Raybould, former Attorney General, has testified she was pressured by the Prime Minister's office to step in and convince the Prosecution Service to change its decision or override it entirely. She testified that in a meeting with the Prime Minister, he suggested with an election coming up and many seats in Quebec, where he himself is a member of Parliament, it would be prudent not to jeopardize 9,000 jobs by not seeking the Deferred Prosecution Agreement. Wilson-Raybould said she felt pressured. The Prime Minister says that she was not, or at least if she was pressured, then he didn't know. As a side note, the Reverend Norm Seeley has written a great piece about why the Prime Minister should have known she felt pressure, and about how the Prime Minister invited people into government who do not belong in the old boys' network with the promise that they would help change it but didn't think to take into account how that would mean cabinet and the prime minister's office would also have to change the way in which they governed. I'll be placing a link to his article in our show notes. But what's hard to deny here is that there was some deep power plays going on. The Prime Minister doesn't deny he mentioned he was a Quebec MP in his September 17th meeting with Wilson-Raybould. The Prime Minister's office doesn't deny suggesting the Attorney General re-examine her decision. With an election less than a year away, holding on to power seemed to be more important than what was right. Now, I bring up the SNC-Lavalin issue delicately, and I promise, I promise I will get to the tie-in. But right now, right now we have Jesus in the wilderness. And in this story that Allison read for us, we find ourselves placed immediately after Jesus' baptism. Jesus is led to the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And it's important to note, he is not dropped there. He is not abandoned. He is present and already filled by the Spirit. There is a literary comparison Luke is making to the Israelites' 40 years wandering in the wilderness after fleeing Egypt. In fact, in response to the devil's suggestions, Jesus quotes from his people's sacred texts, from a passage in Deuteronomy, which congregations following the Revised Common Lectionary would have also heard this morning. It's almost like Jesus is saying, Come on, dude, we've been through this before. And in fact, this is what Luke is trying to say. It's one big wink breaking the fourth wall to an early Christian community struggling 
within the constraints of empire. At first, the devil reminds Jesus he is hungry. So very hungry. Why doesn't he just make himself a sandwich? Jesus could do it. A nice peanut butter and jelly with a glass of milk to wash it down. And if you think about it, by extension, if Jesus can make himself a sandwich, he could make all kinds of sandwiches to feed the multitudes of Israel's hungry. He could just fix the problem with a wave of his hand. And yet, Jesus quotes from within his tradition, Man does not eat by bread alone. And you know what's so infuriating? He's right. Of course he's right. If suddenly we woke up one day and were able to magic our governments and institutions to instantly provide food to every hungry person in the world... Would it address the deep systemic issues that allow poverty to fester? Or would it merely be masking those problems, making them easier to ignore? It is so tempting to take the easy way, a way where we can be distracted from what is deep and what is real and what is required of us. The devil also brings Jesus to the tallest point of the temple and tells Jesus to jump. The angels will save you. And I hate to say it, but I can totally see older versions of my kids right there with the devil egging Jesus on. Perhaps with my three younger brothers. Come on, man. It'll be totally awesome. Because we love to see people rise to the top, right? But we also love to watch those who have risen to that great height crash and burn. Reality TV and 24-hour news stations have turned this into a spectator sport. Wolf Blitzer needs those drama llamas to fill his on-air time slot. It is so tempting to buy into this culture of celebrity, to participate in the schadenfreude that distracts us from that which needs attention in our own lives. The devil shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, all earthly power could be his. To you, I will give their glory and all this authority, says the devil, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. For me, this is the crux of the whole exchange. This devil... They are not some red guy with a pitchfork and pointy horns. The devil is the personification of all that separates us from God. The personification of the world's understanding of power and authority and status. 
That is why this authority has been handed over to the devil. It is not true authority. It is handed over. It's not taken. It wasn't stolen. Because it was not of God in the first place. This is not God's authority. However, we live in this world, a world where we are judged and ranked and categorized by who we know, how much money we have, where we work. Stress and sleep deprivation have become badges of honor and not understood as the health and spiritual epidemics that they are. There are some very interesting academic studies which have been released about busyness, the culture of busyness, and how it is actually a form of violence. In this story, the wilderness is more of a spiritual place than a geographical place. This is our wilderness, and we measure ourselves against that which the devil in this story values, where we will never, ever be enough. And it is tempting, so tempting, to buy into this notion of worldly status as a distraction from all those things which break our hearts open. Cultivating and letting go. This was a Lenten theme suggested by an all-female American ministerial collective called A Sanctified Art. What aspects of our lives are worth cultivating this season? What struggles in our lives should we aim to let go? As I was sitting with this week's scripture passages, I realized that I would like to let go of temptation. And I don't mean temptation around eating a second piece of chocolate cake or the temptation to turn the music louder so I can't hear my kids fighting in the next room. The temptation I would like to let go of is the temptation to acquiesce or buy into society's understanding of what is valuable. The temptation to take on the world's values that inevitably lead me to believe that I am broken, that I am not good enough. The temptation to look for the quick fix, to measure myself against the rise and fall of others. Those markers are unstable and ever changing, and they are a distraction. Distraction. So there's another thing I'd like to let go of. Distraction from that which is important, truly important. Not by the standards of the world, but the standards of the spirit. Distraction from sitting with the knowledge that we are human beings, not human doings. We are not perfect but we are beloved. And I think sitting with that knowledge can break us open and breaking open can be terrifying. 
However, we come from a tradition where we acknowledge that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and so it goes. As I was writing this reflection, I was thinking of the song Woodstock by Joni Mitchell. We are stardust. We are golden. We are billion-year-old carbon. And we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. Letting go of temptation. Letting go of distraction. We've got to get ourselves back to the garden. But gardens are for growing. And so what would I like to grow? What would I like to cultivate? I think I would like to cultivate integrity. Doing the right thing even when nobody's watching. Even when the world doesn't understand. Integrity. Listening to that voice in our heart that asks, Is this the right thing? Am I using my power to influence for good or to simply maintain and expand it? Integrity, integrating and embodying that we are loved and beloved. We are stardust. We are golden. And this integrity can be fertilizer for the other thing I wish to cultivate, which is resistance. Resistance from temptation and distraction when it runs completely counter to everything we've learned about what is valuable. Because God doesn't assess what is valuable in the way that the world does. Resistance, naming out loud to others our values, our sacredness. The futility of chasing what the great tempter offers us because those worldly offers are unstable and ever-changing and are never fully attainable anyway. The authority the devil offers was handed to them because it wasn't God's to begin with, because it's not true authority. And as Jesus points back to his people's sacred texts, we can once again, and I think I am going to say this every week, we can go back to Mary's song. The tables are turning. They continue to turn because God's power doesn't look like earthly power. It is no surprise to me that those in positions of political leadership in our country have allegedly abused their authority and influence. And I would say this no matter which party was currently forming government. It is simply what often happens when earthly authority is valued at the expense of integrity. I look forward to moving through this Lenten season with you. Letting go of temptation and distraction cultivating integrity and resistance. We've got to get ourselves back to the garden.
That was Swedish folk duo Good Harvest performing Joni Mitchell's 1970 release Woodstock. You can find Good Harvest online by going to www.goodharvestmusic.com. The Agony and Ecstasy by Rumi In the orchard and rose garden, I long to see your face. In the taste of sweetness, I long to kiss your lips. In the shadows of passion, I long for your love. Oh, supreme lover, let me leave aside my worries. The flowers are blooming with the exaltation of your spirit. By Allah, I long to escape the prison of my ego and lose myself in the mountains and the desert. These sad and lonely people tire me. I long to revel in the drunken frenzy of your love and feel the strength of Rustam in my hands. I am sick of mortal kings. I long to see your light. With lamps in hand, the sheiks roam the dark alleys of these towns not finding what they seek. You are the essence of the essence, the intoxication of love. I long to sing your praises, but stand mute with the agony of wishing in my heart. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week as we further explore our Lenten themes of cultivating and letting go, alongside some new readings and some lovely music. Until then, take care of yourselves, and we'll see you soon. brought to you by the Living Presence Ministry, a community ministry of the United Church of Canada. 
you can find us online at www.livingpresenceministry.org.